a very flat hierarchy when I joined. Um, and I actually tried to keep it as flat as possible for as long as possible. But that broke when I had too many people reporting to me. So I did. I really did my best to, to do that and to try and just keep everything the same. But it just doesn't work as once you go past eight, nine people. For me, it was maybe 13 or 14 where there was two sides to it. So it was the, the career development and the, the path for people was maybe missing. And then the other side was how we prioritize product and how we build our roadmap. Hi, and welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaS Talk. I'm Irina Jambazova, and on this episode, I talk with John Doran, Director of Engineering at Forest Salon Software, a cloud-based management solution and marketing suit for salons and spas. Born and bred in Dublin, John has always loved building product and iteratively improving it. Forest is the first SaaS product he was involved with, jumping in from professional services, something he found far more unsatisfactory. When John joined Forrest four years ago, there were only five or six engineers who all reported to Ronan Percival, CEO and founder of Forrest. The structure was flat. Two years into his tenure, John became the director of engineering for Forrest. For a while, he continued operating under the flat structure he inherited, but quickly that began to cause problems. Individually siloed and not in sync, the engineering development suffered. John and his team began to experiment with changes and are on a journey of continuous improvement. That's the topic of our talk. Listen on to learn. The warning signs that the engineering team will need to be restructured. There's certain things that come up in the early stage, I would say, that are kind of smells or warning signs. So when you start seeing um, maybe product engineering get slower, or, you know, oh, I can't build that because it'll take too long. Maybe we should make thing, do things a little differently. Those, those types of uh, conversations should probably be a red flag for you. Um, and then maybe there's other things like, oh, X customer wants us to build a feature in this way, but everyone else wants it to do it in that way. So can we just do it differently for them? And in the early days, you probably do that stuff and it's fine. But as you start scaling, those complexities really come back to bite you. One change John and the Forest team implemented. Change there for us was to break our team into tribes. So for we call them tribes, people call them pods and other things. So essentially similar to the Spotify structure. Pretty much, yeah, exactly. So those tribes have their own area of the system, their own mission, their own focus. And for us, that was a big change and it, it, it relieved a lot, I think. Um, and then for those tribes to have their own dedicated product owners and designers, it really, it gave them the autonomy that they needed to be able to, to move in the direction that Forrest needed them to. How John keeps the engineering team aligned. We didn't split on technology, but we have specialists in technologies and they've shared between the tribes. So they come together every couple of weeks. They call them alignment sessions. It's a bit like a guild where they come together. They have a, a like a shared kind of Trello board or whatever, and they just kind of chat about what are, the, what are the cool things that we're doing? What are the challenges we're having or we're seeing in common? And how can we help each other move faster? We're still quite small, like we're, it's not like, there's not hundreds of engineers, so it's okay. And we can, we can talk to each other a lot on this stuff. John will be one of many speakers we're bringing to SaaS Talk 19 to talk about engineering and product. He'll be joined by Desk Trainer, co-founder of Intercom, Jana Basto, co-founder Mind the Product, Dan Martel, five-time founder and chief instigator at the SaaS Academy, and many others. 
Grab a ticket now at the best possible price. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. Uh, we're hosting John Doran, Director of Engineering at Forest today. Welcome, John. Hey, Irina. Thanks for having me. How are you today? Good, good. Yeah, it's not raining, so I'm happy with that. We're always happy when it's not raining in Dublin. Um, so for our listeners who may not have heard of Forest and may not have listened to any of your other podcasts that you've done, tell us a little bit who John Doran is. Sure. So, uh, yeah, John is a uh, director of engineering of Forest. Um, so from a personal point of view, I'm 30 years old, uh, local, uh, lived in Bray area, Bray area of Dublin, kind of just outside of Dublin for the last kind of yeah, 30 years. Um, I've been, I, I essentially love building product and teams and I've been doing that for my whole career. Um, I, I have it's a real passion of mine I just uh, I just love seeing uh, the end result of uh, a lot of hard work uh, so if that makes sense yeah no totally that so did you did you always want to be an engineer did you study computer science yeah I did like I went to DIT in Dublin um, did computer science there business computing so it had a little bit of a mix of uh, a business, but a lot of a lot of technology, and I, I always loved solving really complex problems uh, from from early in in college. Um, and I guess then throughout my career, it's always kind of something uh, I always kind of that draw, draw, drew me in was you know working on the hardest thing possible. Um, and even like when I finished up college, like. Um, I've, I kind of had all those choices of the big, the big tech company and and the, the tiny startup, but I kind of went somewhere in the middle. It was like thirty people. Uh, it was called Mobile Travel Technologies, and it was it was definitely where I learned so much around how to build product, how to scale product, how to scale a company, um, and get getting that like get building product and kind of my my engineering career growing there was was really cool because I was able to just soak up a lot of stuff for, from some really great people and then kind of brought that in my experience then into into forest amazing so is forest kind of your first dip into SaaS and have you been have you worked for SaaS companies before no actually Ronan our CEO for anyone who knows them uh, knows him would um would have really drawn me in based on the SaaS aspect of it. So beforehand, it was a lot of professional services. So we worked with huge airlines like Singapore, e EasyJet, Etihad, um, and we built these amazing apps and and you know like large scale products. But you know at the end of the day, after six months, you have to move on to the next project or or look at the next thing. And that was um, for me. I wanted to really focus on a product I could. Uh, you know, ha have big influence on and input on on its direction. So, um, yeah, definitely, that was my kind of first um, first dip in SaaS. And it's 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 a big question, but would you say you know from like a high level, you know, there's much difference in you know when it comes down to engineering a SaaS product versus anything else. Yeah, it's it's really hard to get the balancing act because the customer doesn't really want to pay for uh, refactoring or scaling. They just want everything to work, and um, it does always this kind of um, this is the big point of kind of contention where. They just want to pay X amount and get their app at the end of the day. Whereas uh, building product, as you might know, is a lot different. You can't just expect to 
have a, a document with a bunch of requirements in and get the perfect solution at the end. You need to, to iterate. And that's uh, what I love about building SaaS product is that you're continually experimenting and and trying to tweak and, and change and make things continuously better to impact pe- people's lives. So like for Forest, our whole mission is around helping small SMB salons to, to build and grow their business. And um, we do that in whatever way possible. And for us, it's through the technology. And what's really nice is, you know, we're continuously working on that mission. And that's how, how our company is structured and, and our engineering is structured in terms of our roadmap and our priorities. And that's, that's something that's really, really different to, to the PS world. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about, you know, that specifically building product in a SaaS setting and growing an engineering team, which, Mm. you know, growing any team is tough and, um, uh, you know, same goes for engineering. So just to give us a little bit of um, context, you became director of engineering about two years ago. Where was the company then and where is the company now in terms of the engineering team? So I think it's maybe important to even step back before that two years. So I've been in Forest nearly four years now. And when I joined, there was five, six engineers and the company size is about 60 or 70. So um, we were we were really we had product market fit. Things were going really well. We were onboarding a lot of customers, um, but we had essentially five, five engineers, say, full time working on various parts of the stack. So it would be safe to say they were very siloed in what they were doing and very much like moving fast, doing lots of stuff, but maybe not in sync with each other. So we were just working on different parts of the system and, and trying to do our best to maintain and and meet the demands of customers, essentially. Um, and over the, the big change over the last four years is the, the kind of the demands of the market and, and our ambitions of what we want to do is definitely continuing on the same trajectory and we want to always push push the boundaries of what we're doing in terms of delivering to our customers so we've had obviously had to hire more more engineers and, and people to to run run and build that product and i guess the big change would be like um having a head of product in to to actually to work with customers and do that discovery because before it was actually Ronan's job. So for the CEO to be running product and engineering is, is quite hard. And, uh, you know, when there's so, when so many other people need him that, um, it, I, I would say it just becomes too much. So that definitely the big change would be, uh, product and, and engineering, um, having, uh, I guess to grow up over the, the few years really to start actually, uh, look, looking more at the 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 company strategy and and really impacting on that. And do, would you say that this was a bit of a difficult transition? And you know, what what would be maybe mistakes that were made or challenges that you had that you know people that would be kind of earlier on this on 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 this journey listening to this uh, may benefit from. I think like. Um, the big challenge is that you get very reliant on individuals rather than the team. So if someone goes sick or someone decides to leave, you're very dependent on the guy who built all the features or the, the specific guy who maintains the part of the system. So you don't get that uh, comfort when you have a bigger team, but also a bigger team is harder to manage, coordinate and organize. So you have these trade-offs where um, you have to, to really um, – hire the right people in early who are going to to i guess scale with your company and sometimes maybe people don't as well so that's hard to to kind of 
to get a balancing act. Um, I think, you know, there's certain things that come up in the early stage, I would say, that are kind of smells or warning signs. Um, so when you start seeing um, maybe product engineering get slower or, um, or, or, you know, oh, I can't build that because it'll take too long. Maybe we should make thing, do things a little differently. Those, those types of uh, conversations should probably be a red flag for you. Um, and then maybe there's other things like, oh, X customer wants us to build a feature in this way but everyone else wants it to do it in that way. So can we just do it differently for them? And in the early days, you probably do that stuff and it's fine. But as you start scaling, those complexities really come back to bite you. So those sort of shorter terms, you, basically the long story short is think long term in terms of your decision making, um, how, how you decide um, the functionality that you're going to build and and how you prioritize is definitely different at, at scale. So. Um, to try and think about what what's going to really hurt you in the longer term, or does that make sense? No, it it does make sense, and and it's interesting you mentioned this because I think pretty much any product related talk that we've had at SaaS Talk, you know, one of the main and whether that's this trainer or um, Hannah Chaplin, you know, people that are you know very much product people, they one of the things that always keep banging on is say no say no say no because you know you're going to say yes to this lucrative client and it's going to come bite you back uh severely because you've adjusted the product for this one client they're going to start having all of these demands and it's just all hell breaks loose kind of thing exactly so um to, to try and keep things simple and to use data and to back your decisions early on so to maybe if you're starting up or you're in the early stage to so make sure you have the imp- instrumentation or the actual the 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 facility to make those decisions or to look at the decisions you've made rather than making lots of decisions and keep moving and moving because then they kind of snowball yeah yeah totally and then in terms of the team structure um what what have kind of been the changes that you've implemented uh, you know how do you go about you know restructuring and stuff like that yeah, so I think like the big thing is um, a, a very flat hierarchy when I joined, um, and I actually tried to keep it as flat as possible for as long as possible, but that broke when I had too many people reporting to me. Um, so I did, I really did my best to, to do that and to try and just keep everything the same, but it just doesn't work as once you go past eight, nine people. Um, for me, it was maybe 13 or 14 where... Um, there was two sides to it. So it was the, the career development and the, the path for people was was maybe missing. And then the other side was how we prioritize product and how we build our roadmap. So just to focus on the prioritization piece first, uh, having too many engineers focusing on building from the same backlog and the, like, the same kind of mission is is too much. So what, what problems we've seen was too many smart people in the room trying to decide, make decisions. Um, and actually, you know, if there was only two or three of those really smart people making those decisions, they'd be still good enough and we'd still be able to move as fast. So maybe sometimes things were taking too long to actually just get get decided on and move on. Um, so that, that was that piece. And the change there for us was to break our team into tribes. So for we call them tribes, people call them pods and other things. So essentially similar to the Spotify. That pretty much. Yeah, kind of. exactly. So those tribes have their own area of the system, their own mission, their own focus. 
Um, and for us, that was a big change and it, it, it relieved a lot, I think. Um, and then for those tribes to have their own dedicated uh, product owners and designers, it really, it gave them the autonomy that they needed to be able to, to move in the direction that Boris needed them to. Just wanted to ask how you split them in the sense of, is it, you know, is it different parts of the product or how did you make that division? So we talked loads about it and some people do it based on technology stack and we didn't want to go for that. Um, we, we wanted to go for the, the strategy of Forest. So, uh, for example, I, I mentioned our mission is to really help the salons grow their business. And we have a tribe of engineers who are focused on that. And they would have different quarterly initiatives based on, on those things. So to increase uh, adoption of a new feature, a new suite uh, of things that will help them make more money. So that was a really logical split. For us, there was another one, which is all around um, inter system, internal systems to help Forest actually scale. So um, those guys are really focused on our departments and the tools that they have to help us to support the customers. So that there are a couple of examples, if it makes sense. Yeah, no, no, totally. Um, and how do you keep them aligned? I suppose, you know, a lot of the things that are said about Spotify or any of the other companies that are kind of really piloting this sort of like more agile and, and, and lean product management, you know, it's there's a lot of talk about alignment. Um, what, what are some ways that you're keeping them aligned? So, uh, yeah, really good question. So there's a few pieces to that. Um, so we do, we didn't split on technology, but we have special, like basically specialists in technologies and they're shared between the tribes. So they come together every couple of weeks. So they call them alignment sessions. It's a bit like a guild where they come together. They have a, a like a shared kind of Trello board or whatever, and they just kind of chat about what are the, what are the cool things that we're doing? What are the challenges we're having or we're seeing in common? And how can we help each other move faster? We're still quite small. Like we're, it's not like there's not hundreds of engineers, so it's okay. And we can we can talk to each other um, a lot on this stuff. But that's one thing we do. Um, we try to do an offsite every, at least every six months. We're trying to do it more regularly, where we we come together as a bigger group to kind of present back the kind of state state of where we union of where we are, and also maybe big initiatives that we're doing and we're all contributing to. Right. Yeah, no, totally makes sense. And then, you know, obviously, you know, you did that structural change, but at the same time, you're scaling a platform, right? And, exactly. you know, that can be an absolute recipe for, for burnout. How how did you, how have you managed to, you know, allow the people to cope with that and, you know, kind of safeguard them from, from that? Um, the big thing really is, um, is actually kind of just a mindset to try to instill into people around continuous improvement. So instead of, you know, a server goes down or something happens, instead of just like restart the server and move on, let's go back to coding. We re I really try to make people focus on what was the real problem that happened right here. Why didn't we identify it beforehand? Why did someone else say, for example, what what were we missing in terms of monitoring um, to, to see that? Uh, can we fix it so it doesn't happen again? And spending the time right there and then, it's a bit like the whole Kanban, just stop stop if, if uh, critical defect. Um, but uh, that's definitely worked. And um, some investment in, in infrastructure, auto scaling, um, making it quite easy to, for people to deploy and manage. So it's quite shared among the team. We don't have like a DevOps or any dedicated infrastructure people or anything like that. So it's quite, uh, it's quite autonomous in terms of people managing, uh, monitoring, um, observing the systems that they build. 
Yeah, no, that's a that's an interesting thing, and and, and always uh, what I, what I've wondered is because I, I have a bit of a background in kind of looking into companies using Kanban and mm. agile um, practices, and you know, there's always the thing of you obviously have to build a product, right? But at the same time, you always have the support tickets, the bug fixes, the queries. How, how do you how do you balance between those two? So we actually had um, we had some challenges with that in the past where. Forest is a big product and it's complex in areas. So, um, you know, you imagine you're in a scrum or you're, you're working in a two-week cycle or three-week cycle and you're trying to build features and focus on product and you keep getting derailed by people coming in, you know, oh, we have this critical issue, we have this customer who's going to churn if we don't fix this thing. And we would have to derail the product work to, to actually go and fix stuff in cases. Um, but that was really disruptive to, to our flow. So what we ended up doing was building kind of a career path for people from support into engineering. We call it level two support. So it's kind of that halfway bridge where we give like we give people we look for people who are really uh, technology focused and are passionate about it and, and really want to learn. And some are actually doing computer science degrees in the evenings and stuff. So the benefit is those guys know how to support the system and they understand it really, really well. And they they have that passion to learn. It's a really great career path into engineering. So we said it, we call it a level two support. So essentially it's the front line that shields a lot of our product engineering from, from those kind of uh, distractions. But um, I think it's important there to, to make sure you have a common language between engineering support and the rest of the company around how we prioritize issues and what we do when certain types of issues come in. So if you have a P1, for example, security uh, or a, a very critical piece of the system is down, everyone stops what they're doing. That's not something that you kind of say, oh, let level two support fix that. But maybe it's a P5 or a P4, it's a translation issue or an issue very specific to one customer. That's something that those guys can fix. So just really important if, if whatever system you have or whatever um, way you, you have of communicating that, that people are on the same page and they understand that because it could get frustrating if people you know, feel, oh, my stuff doesn't get fixed or just to, to share that kind of uh, that understanding with people. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and and going back to what you implemented with the tribes and, you know, kind of figuring out, okay, you know, the team as one unit is kind of broken, we need to split it. You know, if someone, again, listening to this is kind of in those anywhere between eight and 14 people and trying to figure out what would work for them, you know, obviously what worked for you may not work for them. What? How did you evaluate how to solve that? And, you know, how would you suggest that someone kind of goes about figuring out this will be the structure that works for us? I spent a lot of time, to be honest, thinking about it and talking to a lot of people about it. So I really, I reached out to a lot of people who've tried to solve this thing before. And the answer is nobody has the perfect solution. Uh, it needs to be tailored for your team and what what works best for your skill sets and your people. So um, I know uh, like Intercom, HubSpot, Slack, they go through these different variations of engineering levels and how they split work. Um, but um, I think it's really important to get feedback from your team on what they want and what they feel because they're you've hired them, you trust them. They're obviously super smart. They probably know better than you what way to do it. So get the feedback from your people and, and talk to them about what the, they feel the issues are. And you can maybe identify common patterns then from that. Right. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And then for the more soft side of things, you know, this is more, you know, technical structural stuff, but, you know, values and mission, you know, did you, did you, was there a bit of a need to sort of, 
work on that as well and sit down and be like, okay, this is what we're doing and this is what we care, what we do. You know, did, did you set like a little mission statement values that, you know, specifically the engineering team has? Well, um, what we're kind of really lucky with is that Forest has a very specific set of values that's kind of carried us throughout where, where we've been going. Um, and we've, we've we essentially derived those values. So anyone who was hired in, into engineering was intrinsically evaluated on those things. Um, and we, we've kind of carried those values and, and kind of pulled in our engineering pieces to that. So when, when I was hiring people, um, I might have looked for very specific um, you know, traits from people in terms of how they value shipping products um, and what, what they want to achieve uh, in their careers. So um, I would have looked at very much that, I mentioned continuous improvement mindset. I would have always looked for that in people and not just like the engineers that want to just works on my laptop, forget about it, let's, let's uh, move on to the next thing. So, um, but I guess to come back to it, the forest values of uh, which is all about serving the customer as best possible. We don't maybe interact with the customers as much from a team point of view, but we build the product that goes to the customers and also the product that goes to our internal team. So we need to make sure that that's you know, available, uh, it's stable, that there's not, no critical issues, that, that kind of thing. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, absolutely does. And, and I suppose, you know, probably the most critical thing that could happen is an outage. Uh, do, do you have like set uh, processes, how you deal with them? Yeah. So, um, like we obviously have monitoring and stuff. So we, we try, we, we make sure that we know something is happening for customers. Um, but when something does happen, we try to, to have a little process in place where there's kind of three, there's three roles involved. So the way we call it is like the manager, the communicator, and the fixer. So um, essentially, the the fixer is, is typically my engineers who are maybe working on the issue. But um, it's then on me to make maybe some important decisions around, you know, flip a database, change this. Uh, typically, the engineers would come to you with their their diagnosis. Um, and maybe need need a call on on how to go forward. Communicator is typically maybe someone from product uh, just to let the rest of the company know what's going on because it can be quite a stressful situation if um if system is down for a particular region and customers are are calling and they don't know what's going on so really important to have a communicator with a a kind of a cadence on communicating it to, to what's going on and and how long we think it, it's going to take so um luckily ha have hasn't been a while touch wood since i've had to do one of those but um yeah Touch wood indeed. And and is the entire engineering team based in Dublin? Is the entire forest team in Dublin? So we've got about 160, 170 people in Dublin. Um, and then we have regional uh, regional support, operations, training and set, set up. Um, but in terms of engineering, we're actually 50-50 distributed. So um, we've got people who work in different parts of Ireland, but then also throughout Europe. Um, so it's really important for us to do that kind of biannual uh, company gathering. So we literally get everyone to come over. We, we've grown so big in the States now. We do a, a dedicated one over there. But um, it's really important for me to get the whole team together uh, twice a year, at least, to 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 kind of come to come together and even just get to know people maybe because we're split in different tribes people don't interact as much so it's quite it's really valuable just to go you know go do uh, uh kind of activities and stuff like that right yeah no totally makes sense so so we, we've talked a bit about uh, team structure and 
product decisions and all that. Is there, are there any other tips and advice that, you know, you kind of would give both technical and non-technical leaders of SaaS companies listening to this? Yeah, I think like the big one for me, I get a lot and I push back on is the the whole outsourcing and contracting and, and PS side of things. Like your core competency is your SaaS product. Um, I wouldn't try to get tempted by or allured by this um, really tempting thing that is, you know, come pay us X amount of money and we'll, we'll give you a product and then, you know, you, you don't have to worry about it. I think like stuff I mentioned there about, you know, continuously improving your product, making sure that customers are getting the most value from it. I just don't, uh, coming from PS background, I don't feel that pe- people that don't have skin in the game and aren't part of your company and your culture will give you that. So I just feel that you, you're not going to get to where you want to be by outsourcing your kind of core competencies. Um, and the second one I think would be around trust and kind of empowerment into your team. So to really... Um, you hire these people and, um, you know, you tr- trust in them to make the best decisions possible. Um, but I think as well, you need to kind of challenge them on stuff. So, um, you know, they're, they need to be accountable for the decisions they make. Uh, you know, uh, time, time is short and you need to, to validate your product as fast as possible, but also scale and grow your business as fast as possible. So to have a, a balancing act between, um, you know, the value, the cost of an engineering team and the cost of products to build it and to make sure people are aware of that and, and are very much accountable for their decisions. Yeah, no, it's, it is very important. And it's it's also how we, we grow and we learn. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely necessary. So you'll be joining us at SAS Talk 19 in Dublin. Won't be too much of a journey for you um in in october in dublin we're we're quite a few months away from it but any any thoughts on what you'll be telling us about any of this or i'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of sharing um i guess some of those uh stories and tales practical tips for for people uh coming to dublin to to learn more about maybe starting up or, or scaling their product to kind of share some of the lessons and and insights that we've learned in Forest over the last few years, I think would be really valuable to share share with the folks. Yeah, amazing. And we're actually really fortunate because I, I think we have 12 of uh, the Forest crew joining us to learn about everything. So it's, a, it's one of the biggest teams uh, so far. So maybe that's a little bit of a team building exercise as well. And we're coming to the end of the show, but we always like to ask one final question. You know, the, the SaaS journey, whatever role you're in, can be quite a crazy ride and you know stressful what what do you do to sort of stay sane and healthy in all of this uh, good question um so i'm actually a bit of an early bird so i do i get up at five every morning and try to get to the gym at least three four days a week or go for a run and it really helps me clear my mind and just get ready get me pumped for a big day so that definitely any tips on being able to wake up at 5 a.m.? Um, drink lots of coffee when you wake up. Um, I think it's it's really a habit you have to build. Uh, just get out, put your two feet on the ground and get up and get on with it. It's never easy, but um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a habit and a really good one to get into, I find. Perfect. Well, hopefully I'll, I'll try, I'll try to do that. And maybe some of our listeners. Um, anyways, John Doran, thank you so much for joining us uh, at the SaaS Revolution show and sharing some really, really valuable tips. We don't often have these en- more technical engineering conversations. So it's, 
it's great to have that. And um, what are ways that people can get in touch with you in case they want to ask you more about the practices you have in Forest and get some advice? Well, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, like if anyone ever wants to give give me a shout on any of those topics, uh, John at forest.com. You can hit me an email or John Will Doran um, on Twitter. So thanks very much. Perfect. Thank you, John. See you in Dublin in October. Thanks, Serena. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution show and you've picked up valuable lessons from John. As a reminder, you can see him and many other excellent speakers at SaaS Talk 19 in Dublin this October. As it's my last week taking over from Alex, I'm throwing in a discount code for all of you listeners. Use IRINA20 on the link in the show notes. That's I-R-I-N-A 20. Thanks for listening. See you next time.